welcome to uh, another edition of the Lodestone Training Consulting Podcast. Today you've got me, Jared, and I'm joined with... Chris, as always. And John. John, this is your first time on the podcast. Why don't you tell us a little about yourself? First time on mic, yeah. I'm usually uh, hiding behind the mixer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Um, I think a lot of people at LTAC know me as um, the guy who does all the videos and... Uh, I help out with some classes here and there. Um, I run some classes in the past, and uh, I typically hang out with the uh, like the 101, <laughs> 201 level stuff. I'm not I'm not as high speed as uh, Chris or Jared, so. But I have a background in the Air Force. I worked on F-15s um, as a crew chief and a crash recovery team member, and uh, that was what 2000 2006. And I work in television now as a director of photography. So that's my real job when I'm not making noise and on the range. Tell us a little bit about some of the toys that you have. The toys that I have? Yeah. Uh, right now I have a Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 4K. It's a very, <laughs> it's a budget. It's a, it's a very budget friendly, high quality camera with uh, some, some prime lenses, some uh, Rokinon Cine DS primes. I have a six lens kit. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is no, that what you're looking for? No, no, not exactly. I'm just inve- envisioning uh, my youngest son, Ben, rocking your, your scar heavy oh, I, with every shot. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I have a scar heavy. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I have quite a knight's armament fetish, so that keeps me <laughs> occupied. It also keeps me from buying too much. <laughs> so Right on. So on that, uh, what is your daily driver? What, what is your go-to? I'm walking out the door. We'll start with your pistol, then we'll go to rifle, and then if you had something other than those two items that you had to take with you, mm-hmm. what would that be? Uh, pistol is either a G19 with a red dot RMR um, or a G43, depending on what I'm wearing. Um, the My rifle is uh, an SBR 11-inch um, BCM Knight's. Franken gun. Caliber? Five, five, six. Okay. I don't have the budget for a 300. <laughs> and I, I don't have a can for a 300 either, so it's kind of pointless. That's, you know, it's the bump in the night. Like I said, I, I developed because of LTAC, especially in the forest on forest classes, I, I developed an appreciation for short barrel rifles in, in, inside. Because <laughs> <laughs> before, you know, before that, I was mostly 16-inch guns because it was... It's easier to deal with, and there's not as paperwork and things like this. Is before pistols were really a big thing, and uh, so I had a lot of 16-inch guns. And then when I started doing the force on force classes, I was like, yeah, there's a definite, <laughs> there's a definite benefit to having having, that, that having a shorter piece, rifle. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a huge benefit, and I think that's a, a lot of people come to that realization when they uh, when they're creeping down a hallway and they realize that their muzzle is going to pass the doorway like five minutes before they do, and <laughs> it's going to be then they have to stop. You know, either either they retract the rifle and to get up to the doorway, or they have to go high ready or or low ready or something or low yeah. something to get out of the way, and that really def- affects their ability to like enter the room properly and respond to things. So, okay. Well, as most uh, of those of us here at Lodestone, uh, John's humble. You know, John's gonna be oh, I'm just the Air Force guy. I'm just the camera guy. Uh, yeah, I have a few things. I don't have very much experience. 
I'm not an expert. Well, no one's an expert, but he does have a lot of experience. And you just hear from what he's telling there, his experience, both being a student and being an instructor, how it's affected his own life and how he chooses to run his setup uh, based off his experiences in training. Yeah, that's how you, you know, you make mistakes. That's the whole point. You go to a class and you should be there to fail in some way and to, and to you know, be humbled <laughs> by yourself or by other people. And, um, and if you're teaching a class, you're still going to learn things and you're still going to screw up and, you, you know, you should be obvious. You should be honest about that with yourself and with everybody else. Like, I'm not perfect. I'm not the be all end all. You know, you might have been to a class that the, the guy says the opposite and you have to decide for yourself, you know, what has value for me and what do I go with? Yeah. Well, that's really that's what the topic that we wanted to talk about today is, is training and just an overall perspective of of training, both as an instructor, as a student and just everything involved with that. So. uh I'll just open the question and we can start the conversation. What makes a good student? Humility. I think we're going to go with that since we've already started that train. Okay. Humility. And what I mean by that is we are all guilty of pride. I am constantly guilty of pride. When I have had success as a student, when I've gone to courses, when I've gone to training, um, both in my military career and outside of uh, the military, whether it's you know, a self-defense type thing, shooting or anything like that, where shoot, uh, you know, one of my hobbies is photography, going and doing something as a photographer, something that's out of my normal realm. Uh, having that ability to realize I don't know everything, that I'm paying these people to teach me something, and it may not be what I like, it may not be what I necessarily agree with, but it is a different perspective. And I have to humble myself and not, well, I know what I'm doing. Or I've, you know, I've been a Green Beret. I, I've got 20 years military experience. Yes, I do have all those things, but I'm here for a purpose. So I'm going to go ahead and put that in the closet, be quiet about it, learn what I can. And, you know, it's that the difference of, well, I'm, I'm putting that away because I want to pull it out later. I'm like, well, ha, I'm actually not left-handed. You know, we're not pulling the Inigo Montoya thing here. We're being humble intentionally because we want to learn. Even though we have experience, we want to gain more experience. And if we're constantly, um, oh, I know how to do that better, or I don't like that way, are we really learning anything? And that's the idea. That's what we're there for is to learn. Yeah, absolutely. I know, I think I might have shared this before. Uh, I know I shared a lot in classes, but the day that I felt I personally went from an okay shooter to a good shooter was the day when I could relax and make a mistake and not let that pride overwhelm me. Where, where before that moment, you know, I would make a mistake. And I think everyone's watching me. Everyone's here. And I would just start that downward spiral of, of self-induced stress, freaking out because, oh man, I, I made a mistake. And, uh, and once I started in that downward spiral, of that, that self-induced stress, there, there's nothing I could do. I couldn't perform. I would I collectively get worse and worse and worse until I could finally, you know, either just end the day and, and, and be hating on myself or get myself under control and, you know, take a couple deep breaths and just blow it off. So that day when I was finally able to do that on the range, it's like, okay, so what? That shot wasn't as perfect as I wanted to be. I'm good. And then just forget about it and do it again. That's when I really made, made that change and, you know, learn that 
who cares? I'm here on the range. I'm here to learn. I'm here to push myself. I expect to make mistakes. I expect to not perform as I would love to in my own head. That's why I'm there, so that I can eventually can get to that level where I can perform where where I want to. You know, a big part of that is seeking out training and experiences that are at that level above. Uh, if you go and pick something that you can do, you're not really challenging yourself. You're not giving yourself that opportunity. I went to a school in England where I was put into a situation just to do the, the normal day-to-day stuff that we were doing for the training, running a map, running a radio, but I was driving a car that was a manual. It was right side drive. So I'm doing all these things with my hands. I'm on the wrong side of the vehicle. I'm trying to stay on the wrong side of the road. It challenged me. It was something that was completely different and it was it was alien enough from my normal environment, but it was still familiar enough. You know, I've driven a car since I was 16 years old, so I knew what I was doing for the most part, but it forced me to be humble. I, there, you couldn't have pride in that. None of us were good at that. And it was able to... As a collective, we recognized we were going to struggle with this. And as we developed different techniques individually, we shared it with each other, and we all grew as a, as a class. And that was one of the big takeaways. And, you know, we're doing the little AAR afterwards, and the Brits are brutal in their AARs. I absolutely love a British AAR. And they were like, oh, yeah, you guys always say that was a really important thing to you, you know, driving the cars. And, you know, that's not really that big of a deal. We go to America and we drive no problem. We're like, well, that's because you're driving properly for the first time in your life. But uh, for us, it, it was just enough that was weird that, that changed things up and had us push ourselves in, in something that you wouldn't necessarily think that was going to push you. And uh, I'll tell you, that was, shoot, that was nine, ten years ago that I went to that course. And uh, I... I look for training like that that's going to push me, that's going to put me to that next level, that's going to give me something that causes me to become better. What's a, for either of you two, uh, what's some negative experience you had as a student? I've had classes that were taught by people who maybe didn't need to be teaching classes. <laughs> what do you mean but, by that? I mean, I mean, obviously, there's like safety violations and things like that. Um, people that there's there's a lot of people that that get a lot of secondhand information, maybe from like YouTube and things like that, and then haven't really tested a lot of it. Well, I know that's one thing that we strive to do is we, for every one of our classes, doesn't matter if it's a firearms class, med class, or or, or whatever, try to say this is our preferred way of doing it. This is the, the techniques we like, you know, techniques versus principle that we talked about before. But then also explain the uh, the why. Why are we doing it this way? Really want to uh, empower and educate those students so it makes sense to them. So if it makes sense, then, then they're more able to, you know, do the drill or, or do the said thing and, and, and incorporate it. One of my least favorite, when you talk about uh, negative experiences, the, the first thing that popped in my mind was uh, because... Why are we doing it this way? Because that's the way that we do it. I'm a why guy. What is the the justification for this? What is the history behind this? What is the background behind this? Why is this necessary? And there have been times where, you know, someone is, this is the way we do it. 
And I thought, oh, that's completely stupid. Why would you do it that way? And then they're like, they explain, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. You know, uh, that is, yeah. I can't believe I didn't recognize that beforehand. Yeah, it's it, it's it, if, if some people are, this is the way we do it. There is no other way. Like with a, some people are very polarized about forward assists. And like some people really hate them. Some people say you have to use it every time you chamber around. It's like, if if but if people, why wouldn't you use your forward assist? It's it's there for a reason. <laughs> and that's the argument. And they say, oh, well, why would you jam around into the chamber if it wasn't want to go? And some people are like, you know, it's there for a reason. That there is part of the design. That's what it's for. So, but if people are say, this is what I believe. This is the only way. You can't do it any other way. If you do it, you're wrong. Or if they say, "Here's my opinion on it," choose you know choose for yourself. Yeah, I'm reminded. I, I um, my goodness, this is probably like six or seven years ago. Um, I'd set up at a gun show to advertise training, and uh, it's a pretty big gun show. And I got bored and left someone at the booth, and I started wandering around, and I found another training company, and they're playing video, and I'm watching the video of them doing uh, some room clearing. And as I, I watched, and again, I, I don't know it all. It looked funny on, on the video um, because a guy kept entering a room and would not clear his corner, wouldn't look at his corner, didn't even acknowledge his corner, but kept like kind of going forward at a diagonal uh, angle instead of looking at the corner and, and was shooting at a target. So uh, again, I don't know it all. So I asked the guy, I said, oh, I'm watching your video and he's excited because you know he's there to give the sales pitch and I'm obviously interested. And says, so but I don't understand. It's like, oh, well, what don't you understand? Well, he keeps entering that room and you can see it's a couple different takes. It's not just the same one that they're doing it over and over again in this training, but he's not looking in that corner. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, he's wargaming it. He's already done it so many times. We're trying to film it for this thing. So he knows subconsciously there's nothing in that corner. That's why he's not glancing at the corner. He's just, he's just doing his thing. So I asked him that and he's like, oh, well, this is how the professionals do it. I'm like, Okay. Now um, you have my attention. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, okay. So then as a professional, why is he not looking in, the, in that corner? Why is he not clearing it? Oh, again, this is how the professionals do it. And if you want to make, I forget what to the number, he threw out some crazy number, multi-thousand dollars a day doing a executive protection. This is the way they do it. I'm like, okay, well, I'm a Green Beret. I'm an instructor for the Special Forces Advanced Urban Combat School. I teach Green Berets how to do room clearing. I know a little bit, but I don't know it all. So why is he not clearing his corner? Well, this is just how we do it. And this is the end. He had no idea. But he was obviously getting very upset. Like, listen, you, this is, this is the way it's done because this is how, you know, this is why. But he didn't know why. He couldn't explain it. And it drove me nuts. And there's all kinds of different techniques. I don't know the techniques. I mean, at doing CQB, just to name some stuff, you know, I've done um, strong wall. I've done points of domination. I've done free flow. I've done all sorts of different stuff. I understand there's different techniques. But, man, if you're going to do something, you, I don't know why you're doing it and be able to explain it. I was quite irritated that uh, he didn't have a clue. And he's getting mad at me just because I was asking a, a simple question that there should be a very simple answer to but you know that it is what it is i suppose <laughs> this is the way <laughs> exactly uh, however however much however strong opinions there there you find in shooting for some reason cqb seems to like amp it up to like, yeah yeah <laughs> it's get it's even more polarizing than like you know how do you redo a reload or something yeah and 
And, and that was, the, I guess, yeah, the frustrating thing. I was acknowledging, I don't know it all, and my techniques, my experience, that's fine, but you're violating a principle. If you're going into a room, you need to kind of look in that corner and make sure, you know, the, the bad guy's not there waiting for you. <laughs> I learned um, that from Silence of the Lambs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it, anyways, it, it, it's that kind of stuff that, yeah, that that really uh, is irritating. So that's why we strive and try with everything we do to explain the why so that it makes sense. You know, one of the, the hardest things that I've, like, most common occurrence, I'd say, as a student, that would be a negative experience, was other students. Um, and, you know, that that's, it's the nature of the beast. You're going to have to deal with that. I was at Freefall School, and we had a Navy uh, student who was there because of some, you know, scratch your back, scratch my back deal. It wasn't his job. It was a favor to a favor type thing, which that already pissed me off because there are team guys that needed this school that were on free fall teams. And this, you know, guy gets a, gets a slot. Um, but his attitude, man, it just, it was so hard for me not to, not to lose uh, my temper with him. And I realized that was a training distractor for me. It was taken away from my ability because this guy was being so unprofessional. It was hurting what I was getting out of the class. And once I realized that, okay, all right, let's just, we're all students here. It's not my problem. Mm-hmm. I'm going to focus back on me. And yeah, that guy, I can tell him everything that's wrong with him. You know, I could go off for hours, but this isn't the time or place. I'm here to learn free fall. I'm here to learn this skill. Afterwards, that's when we have those conversations. But in the moment, don't let that be a training distractor to you. You're going to have knuckleheads in classes with you. You're going to have people that think they know it all, and you're going to be like, oh, seriously, dude, shut up. Uh, don't let it be a, distra- a training distractor. You know, Don't let it get under your skin. It's a hard, it's an easy thing said, but it is necessary that you, that you recognize that, that you're going to have those people in classes, and there's very little that you can do about it. I think I've run into very few of those people at like L-type classes, like students, as far as students being judgmental or harassing other students. I don't think I've seen that more than maybe once or twice. And I think that's one of the big, the big barriers to people taking training is that they're worried about being on, you know, they're performing in front of other people yeah. or being, yeah. being judged or because they don't know who else is going to be there, what their skill levels are like. Um, but it's, it's kind of like going to the gym for the first time. Like you, you think everyone's going to be watching you and staring at you and judging you and no one else cares that you're there. They don't care what you're doing unless you're being an absolute jackass. Nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same thing for, for the classes. I mean, it's, if that's your reason for not going, don't worry about it. Absolutely. That's one of the, again, I've shared that with some, some other students who obviously with their first class, they were brave enough to come and, and come to the class, but they're obviously nervous for that. They're, you know, thinking too much everyone's looking at me everyone's gonna make fun of me and and you know i've done some some crazy stuff um some scary experiences probably uh probably the scariest thing i think i ever did for for me was not the first time but the second time exiting that 34 foot tower jump school (laughs) Uh, that was that was quite a moment but still that that really compares to the very first time i was in front of a group of people and something organized i'm pulling the trigger for the first time that's you know for me, maybe I'm crazy, you know, maybe I'm that, that psychopath, but it doesn't even come close to like the, uh, 
the times I've, I've been in gunfights. Yeah, those are scary moments, but I'm also doing something very proactive and I'm, you know, I'm trying to give as much, if not a lot more than, than, than what I'm getting. Um, but just that moment exiting that tower for the second time or that time in, in front of people, you know, shooting. So I can, I can relate. And I, I know I've shared that with some people like you're, you're in good company. You're fine. You're normal. That, that, that feeling of anxiety for the very first time at a class, that's, that's perfectly normal. That's why we don't want to add any stress at that first first class. You're, they're stressed out enough as it is. Right. In that that self induced stress. You know, when you talk about training, that is so key. And w- the basic pistol class that we just had, we talked about that a lot. Like, you're not paying to have someone yell at you. Like that. That's not. You're not getting anything out of that. Yeah. Now there are times for stress. There are times where doing some sort of stress test, where that's necessary. Absolutely. In a basic class, it's time to come in and try and keep it as, as low stress as, as possible. I love the way that they do um, the military freefall school out in Yuma. That is the most laid back gentleman's course that you're ever going to run into. I swear that everyone before they become an instructor there, they've got to go surf for like two months or something, you know. <laughs> like those guys are... They're so relaxed, and it has this um, ripple effect throughout the students. Because when you go out, and it, it's a little stressful when you're standing out there on the ramp and you know jumping out into the abyss. And then when you've just completely butchered your jump, I mean, you barely pulled your cord, and you get on the ground, and your instructor is doing his debrief, and you can tell the guy wants to be like, "What is wrong with you?" And he's <laughs> like, "Bro." You know, if you just relax a little bit, you'd be okay. It's like <laughs> they just smoke a bowl. Of yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, do you guys all get high? I mean, do you do you not take drug tests down here? But they do it right there uh-huh. when when they are teaching a very stressful thing, and it's the same thing for us when we're teaching a new shooter. I mean, and those of us in this room, I can't tell you how many bullets we have between the two or the three of us. We we have a lot of rounds sometimes we forget that it does induce anxiety uh in the basic classes we we've always joked about yeah you're gonna have that lady show up and she's got it in the box this last time we had ladies Mm -hmm. multiple show up with it in the box i mean it's the shine of the times and right on i am so pleased to see that because they have one they've made that decision that you know what no one's coming i've got to take care of me and mine two I better know how to use this, so I'm going to go get professional training, which is awesome. I, I absolutely love that. And you could tell that they were stressed. I mean, there was a lady that was there. She had a um, FN, uh, what is it, The um, their tactical 9 mil. Really nice pistol. She had never fired a gun before. <laughs> I mean, it... The, the idea of just manipulating the slide was completely new to her. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, keeping that in that low-stress environment, trying to downplay all that anxiety and, and be able to, to answer it. And that's, you know, Kirk is awesome yeah, he is. at that. I mean, you, you make the joke about the guy's a, a, a Hawaiian teddy bear, you know, his, his floral shirts and everything. But, man, he is and that that's the type of guy in the, the basic class that that really it it cuts that anxiety gets right to it and at the end of the day that lady could shoot that gun you know 
I was been thinking about an experience I had, a um, real good positive experience with training, and it was with my first sergeant major in my uh, when I first showed up the group. So I went to fifth group, and when I finally got assigned to uh, a company, you know, I showed up to the company, and as I'm very nervously walking up those steps to go to the company area for the first time, looking for the sergeant major so I can introduce myself and and you know all that, I show up and it's ghost town. I'm walking up and down the hallway. All the rooms are shut. I don't know what I'm doing, and um, I finally hear somebody talking, and I knock on the door, and here's the company XOs on the phone talking to somebody about something, and then while he's pretending like he's paying attention to the conversation, he's writing on a on a, on a sticky pad. He's like, who are you? So I write back, I'm who I am. I'm just showing up, and he's like, and then he's like, okay, and so we're having this little conversation, and he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, while he's on the phone, but he's writing to me, and uh, anyways, the, the whole company were down... Um, I forget the area, but the 101st area where they have their towers, where they do the air assault school. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so they were down there um, doing uh, um, fast roping. So they're getting all their, their tower work in before they actually went to the bird. So you see, that's where they're at. So I, you know, go down there. The company's already training. Guys are coming down the fast rope. I uh, am nervous as, as can be, right? Because here's my company, and it's not in, it's not even in the safety of, like, rooms and a hallway. Now everyone's doing stuff, and, like, everyone's looking at me. I'm such, you know... I'm a loser. I'm a poser. What am I doing? And I, so I walk up to the, to the tower and uh, I get up there and the Sergeant Major's in command of everything. And uh, I didn't know then, but I found out later that he was, you know, he, he was with, like with Peden. He knew Peden. Yeah. He, he was an A15 guy, like the majority of his career. This is the first time he was really away from A15. And he actually brought one of his buddies from A15, who was the, the company um, op sergeant. So the two of them were helping, you know, th- th- this company. So, uh, Anyways, so this pipe hitter, um, who's been in who knows how many missions and how many, you know, anyways, this real hardcore dude, our sergeant major, he's like, all right, so jump in the line so you can get, get your rope time in. So I'm already have a natural fear of heights. Um, so that's bad enough. But really, I was pinging because I'm at my company and, and you know, I don't want to mess up. I don't know how to fast rope. What am I doing? So as I'm getting ready to, to, to go for the first time, all of a sudden, there, this pipe hitter, with a loving, secure grin and look in his eyes of just complete, you know, understanding, reaches out and he grabs my shirt and he holds on to him. He's like, it's okay, brother, I've got you. Just, just ease your way out and you'll be just fine. And just that, that little act of, of humility from the, from this guy who's a stone cold killer, you know, like uh, realizing enough, I know you're nervous and I'm sure he thought I was nervous because I was roping, which I was, but more as <laughs> nervous because I'm just short of this company and everybody's looking at me. Um, that that was that was super cool. Uh, he did not have to do that, but he cared enough just to give that little little bit of human contact. And really, I'm such a big guy. A little grip on my shirt wasn't gonna do anything. If I was going, I was going. He was gonna yeah, stop me. Yeah. But it's just that that act, that the human contact, that really really made a difference. And I calmed me down real quick. And then I you know I roped for the first time and went up and did it a bunch of more times. And you know it was a fun time. But just that that one moment and that really now. I, can't express how much I appreciated that. And that's something that, again, we I know I've tried to replicate um, on, on the range, that little bit of, of human contact, touching shoulders, touching the back, hey, you're okay, and, and, and just that kind of thing. I think that... Sniffing hair? No, no, I, I'm not pulling the Biden. <laughs> but uh, but I think, you know, that that really made a difference for me, and that's something that I really tried to replicate. You know, you, you bring that up, and it, it makes me immediately think of what is the difference between my experience in the 82nd and then as a Green Beret. Now, I, I had much more time as a Green Beret than I did as an infantryman. But when I was an infantryman, it was 
all shouting. Mm-hmm. You know, it was all discipline via force. You know, my squad guys, you know, they liked me. They respected me. They knew that I had their back, but they also knew that I'd crush them in a heartbeat um, if they were even slightly out of line. I mean, it, squat thrust to the chow hall was a normal thing. Uh, we had the, the plate of woe. It was a, a, a tractor ballast plate that weighed 82 pounds, which <laughs> we felt was a sign from God that it was, you know. So if someone messed up, they had to carry that around in a backpack, you know. Um I get to group and it is, it's not, a 180 would be, is an inaccurate way of of describing it, but you know that people are going to make mistakes. You know that people are going to mess up. They're they're humans and they're going to learn more by you leading them through their mistake Mm -hmm. than screaming at them for their mistake. Yeah. And I'm so glad that I had that opportunity and that I made that change. That I, I'm a completely different person than I was when I left the 82nd. I mean, granted, I'm older, wiser, all that. But a big part of that is going to group and having that. Because then when we went overseas and we were dealing with Indich, you know, could I do that with the Saudis? You know, the, the, the pride that they have, that's not happening. Um, but I was able to lead them and lead them with respect and uh, kindness and get them to a standard that they were effective. Yeah, so we've talked about some of our experiences, positive, negative. Um, and we've also, you also started talking about mentioning, you know, suspending pride. And, mm-hmm. and pride doesn't have, have a place and you really need to. Um, you know, another thing with that is, uh, is for students, especially coming to one of our classes or just wherever you go, you need to be willing to, to try new things. That's one of the things we ask people. And this, you know, we, we emphasize principles, truths, but then techniques. And, and we like some of our techniques. And this is why we like some techniques. We ask people uh, to try those. So that's something that really, as a student, you need to be willing to to try new things, even if it's different or could be considered opposite um, of, of the way that you've, you've done things in the past. Well, John and I were just having this conversation before we started the podcast about, you know, I'm a dinosaur. I don't change uh you know, tape switches. I don't use tape switches because I've, I've had tape switches fail on me in the past. Now, tomorrow, company XYZ comes out with the Uber switch, you know. If I get my hands on that and it works, I'm going to adapt. You know, I will evolve. And that's as much as I can say, oh, I'm never going to use a tape switch. That's more of a... I'm never going to use the current available tape switches. Uh, if you think of just talking about gear, how many times, you know, what was the evolution? We've all been through it. I'm sure every one of us at some point has owned a single point sling. No, I never have. I can say that with pride. <laughs> uh huh. I have slings that can be adapted to be used single point. But I never have. Okay, so those of us that have experience, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> no, no, okay, all right, good job, John. I, you know, you you've stood on the shoulders of giants like I have as well, because there's a lot of things that you know people have made those mistakes, and I've seen that before I got into it. I was like, oh, I'm never doing that. That was that was silly, uh, you know. But I I remember 82nd. I started with the, a two point that was you know all the way out at my. Uh, front end of my rifle then we went to a modified three point 
that we were making ourselves by it, yes. tying the 550? Well, uh, I know I didn't do 550, but right before our deployment to, uh, to Afghanistan, so sort of the 504 in 02, there are a bunch of us, myself included, uh, we didn't know what the heck we were doing. All I knew is that I wanted this three-point sling because, and uh, I went to Joanne Fabrics and like bought buckles and stuff uh-huh. and like created my, oh, it moved, did all kinds yeah, of funny stuff, yeah. but uh, you know, it, it was worthless. I mean, I, I know you, you look I, back, yeah. you're like, oh gosh, I, I can't believe that, you know, pretty embarrassed. Yeah. But you know, we, we do evolve. Yeah. We, we are willing to try new things. And as new things come out, we are not holding to, well, this is the way I did it when I was in group. Well, yeah. That's the way I did it in group. It's like the the thumb over bore the C grip. Mm-hmm. When the first guy came back from Sephardic and was like, "Hey, this is the way we do it," I was like, "Well, you know, I'm a big fan of my broomstick. You know, I, I like my broomstick." And we started the range with a stress test, and everyone that had gone thumb over bore beat me. <laughs> and you know, I'm not saying that I like I'm the you know I was ever like the top shot on the team or anything. I was on really good teams. We had really good shooters, but I was always at least in the top of the middle pack. Right. And uh-huh. suddenly I'm like second from the bottom. Like the only one worse than me is a captain. What, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, this is, this is really bad. Yeah. And so, well, what do I do? Hey, I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to take that technique. And so for the rest of the, the training event, the rest of the, the two days, I went thumb overboard, and it took forever for me to get used to it. But then when we ran the final stress shoot, I was right back in the place that I was normally at. Cool. And we were all running faster. So you, you have to be, you have to have that humility. You have to be willing to try new techniques. And if it's something that you come at and you're like, you know what? No, that would, that did not work for me at all. It could be, well, Hey, I'm six foot. And that was designed for a five foot two person. You know, I'm 200 pounds. That's designed for someone that's, you know, 120 pounds. Of course, that technique isn't necessary or isn't going to work for me. Um, But try it because it might work. It might be better. I'm kind of in that position right now with the, I forget what it's called. It's, it's this grip that goes on this, like the nine o'clock position. It looks like a potato and you're supposed to grab it with your fist. And that's the new, I've, I don't know what it's called, but I'm in that situation. I'm like, that looks stupid, but maybe it works. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah try it a class. I'm willing to try it, but I'm not going to buy one. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I agree. I think it looks dumb. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to work, but you're not going to know until you right. until you get out and you Instagram sure likes it. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it may be really good, you know, photo-wise. I had a, uh, a team sergeant that when he was at SWIC, he was part of a tasking to go out to Hollywood and be, uh, you know, military advisor for some film. And it was like some cheesy, like Hallmark movie or something. Oh, like no. it had some like <laughs> military action scenes. So he would never tell us other than that, what it was, because I guess it was that bad. He did not want us to see it. But one of the hardest things is they would sit there and be like, all right, you know, you got to bring your rifle up and look down your sights. And immediately the director would be like, no, 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 no. And the, the director of photography would be like, no, 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 no. You'd be like, why? I'm, I'm here to make this look realistic. And like, because we can't see the actor's face. And in his contract, he has to have so many like minutes of FaceTime. Yep. That's a thing. And so, like, you know, how many times have we watched movies that, like, we're, they're not even looking down their sights? Well, there's a reason because that guy can't look down at sights because in his contract he has to have so much FaceTime on screen or something. That's why Iron Man's mask is off so much because 
you need to see Robert Downey Jr. has a contract, right? Like all of them do, so they all have to have certain amounts of screen <laughs> have, time. Have you heard about the the drama with the Mandalorian? No. Oh well, what's his name? And I like him as an actor. He seems like a decent dude. Uh, Pasquale or whatever. yeah, whatever the guy's name is. But uh, apparently, he like like quit during the second season and then came back because he's like, you need to see my face. But but you're a Mandalorian. You don't take the helmet off. But you need to see my face. You I saw need, it once in the first season. Yeah, didn't saw it you? once. Yeah. yeah, I need more FaceTime. Like oh, no, so uh, you know. I quit. Okay, well, good thing we, we don't see your face because <laughs> this guy's going to take your place then. No big deal. That's yeah, not, it's not a very strong bargaining position. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm available. They need, like season three, I, yeah, my I think rates, he's like 5'2 or something. Yeah. He's not a very big guy. Well, my rates are pretty reasonable. I'll be <laughs> honest. You know, like some souvenirs, let uh-huh. my kids on, see, on the set, you know, play in that VR, you know, TV setup that they got there. Yeah. I'm I might do that, and then you know expenses. Yeah, that's that's the thing about the television is or movies, whatever is that you know the needs of the production or the story, whatever, take precedence over accuracy. So it's like <laughs> unless the unless the you know the show is about hardcore, you know, military stuff like Zero Dark Thirty or something. Even then, they had problems, but yeah. <laughs> it's always going to be you know the accuracy is going to be secondary. So that's bringing that around. That that is one of the um, things that we expect and that we look for in students is being willing to to try new things because primarily what are we teaching we're teaching combat shooting we're teaching offensive shooting we're teaching you how to defend yourself and what's our background well it's at sf so now we're talking about you mentioned standing on the shoulders of giants we are and we are standing on the shoulders of giants and we are talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of real world gunfights that we're basing this experience and we're basing the techniques and the principles that we're using. I mean, admittedly, the first couple of, of classes, whether it's pistol or carbine, you know, the level one into the level two, all it really is is replicating lessons learned that we teach during Safawak when we're teaching the flat range portion. So that's what we're teaching people to do, preparing them for a fight. Um, so that's why when we get a lot of people who come, even people with good experiences, they might have gone somewhere else, but that other place that they've gone to um and just just recently like in that that pistol class that that you took we had a student who came uh i think didn't take the first day became the second day and some of her comments to me was why well, I, I should have gone that first day because i've been to this place and this place and this place and and i thought i was ready but what you were teaching was so different um because we're teaching you know the real thing we're not teaching we're not we don't have instructors who are teaching stuff that they learned off of youtube or they, you know, have an NRA safe, yeah. safety cert. Yeah. Um, and we're teaching you, you know, real stuff. So there's a there's a reason why we want you to stand the way you stand. There's a reason why we want you to move the way you move or present the firearm the way you present the firearm because we're preparing you and teaching you to defend yourself um, against a real-world threat. One of the uh, – I, I just heard this, and I wish I could think of who said this. I've got to, like, go through my whatever that I've been reading and watching and find it. These things all come out of failures. All of the techniques that we teach, all the things that that we do, it comes out of someone who was lucky enough to survive a failure and have that lesson learned and then brought that back to the regiment and said, hey, I know that we've been doing this, but that, man, that almost cost me my life. Yeah. Like it was... Sheer luck. It was the grace of God that I survived. So let's do it this way. Yeah. And, and you know, 
we stand on the shoulders of giants where we have people and you know it's we we have that ability that like you said hundreds if not thousands of life and death situations and having those experiences coming back and be able to take that and put it into a, a product that we can then teach you know and it, it's it's constantly evolving you know if you look at um, you know, Kurt, I, I, I really wish you were here, buddy. Um, What's he doing? I, I think, Was he like watching like uh, some, some I don't know, some party or movie or yeah, something? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Instead of here where he should be? Yeah. All right. Sadness. I know. Um, but, you know, he will talk about the history of firearm stances. And I, it's one of those things where I just want to sit back and watch because I don't, I don't have that knowledge. I have the, this is why I do this. This is what I did before that. Um, where he can be like, well, this grew out of this, this grew out of that, that grew out of this. And, you know, and Bob's your uncle. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. If you find yourself like fighting something, like <clears throat> if you're, you're using a technique that you're fighting against, it doesn't feel right. It's not working. Like, try and break down why it doesn't work and what are other people doing and why are they doing it? And if, if something doesn't, isn't working for you there's probably a reason for it and there's no reason to 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 suffer through it if it doesn't work and i've learned having done this you know professionally now for for a number of years that there's certain things that a lot of people teach a lot of people are exposed to that are just for a fight for defending yourself are just flat out wrong like like the draw we do the draw a very specific way. It doesn't matter where your pistol's at, you know, where you start the draw, but it's a very specific and del- deliberate way because you're in a fight, not because you're trying to get validated by a pro timer. Yeah, there might be faster ways to get your pistol out there, but those ways are the wrong way in case you're in a fight. Another is is when people are kneeling, using barricades, uh, you know, which knee should be up, which knee should be down. Again, a lot of people are taught, in my opinion, a technique that that's wrong, um, and doing that technique with the you know with the specific knee down you're losing your mobility you're losing your speed you're losing any kind of flexibility in your balance and and all sorts of stuff but for whatever reason somebody said this is the way why because and uh you know it just doesn't make sense so that's one of the things that i some pet peeves of mine different techniques but it is so fun to take these people who like no this is this is what my what i learned in the academy or this is the way that you know whatever your instructor taught me like okay well now try it this way try this new thing and this is why you want to do this new thing and see the light bulb go off and all of a sudden you know we just made another convert yeah that's that, that that's that's fun stuff that's that's very uh, rewarding to see people understand oh oh this does make more sense oh if i really do want to survive a fight that this is the way to do it not you know shoot balloons faster than the next guy nothing wrong with competition shooting there's a lot of good things you can learn from competition, but some of the, a lot of those things you do to shave seconds because your validation pro timer, you want to shoot that balloon faster than the next guy, does not translate into a into a fight. Well, and you know it's it's their gunfight. I'm not going to be there with them. If I have empowered someone and given them a technique that saves their life, that is huge. The the reward that comes from that. And I, I know what that reward feels like because, you know, a, you, a rack. You, you've survived gunfights? Well, yeah. Okay. You, no, you've won? But, so what I'm, no, what I'm talking specifically well, no, about No, don't say is, no because, yes, you have. Yes, I have won gunfights. Okay. Uh, and that is rewarding. But I went back to the same team house 
trip after trip. So we would go to Iraq, train with the same guys, come back to America, go back. And we would work with the same guys every time. And when you took a guy that came off the street, you know, an Iraqi soldier, you trained him up to a level where he was competent, and then you left, and he found himself in that life and death situation, and he survived it. And then when you come back, and this guy is giving you gifts and, you know, naming his children after you, I, I mean... He is so excited to see you again because what you taught him saved his life. And he's telling you these stories. I mean, that that is such a powerful thing. That is like the, the second and third order effects of doing a good job as an instructor. It just keeps amplifying. Yeah. That's very true. So we've been talking, obviously, about, about training. And uh, some people throw out fantasy camp versus real training. Let's talk about that for for a second, uh, John. You mean like doing somersaults and throwing knives, at, well, throwing boot knives? At I, the I guess <laughs> if, if that's what we mean by fantasy camp. I um, will I will jump in right now and tell you that I watched the Chuck Norris Delta Force this week. Yeah, and you have clearance to watch that. Well, <laughs> let's not talk about my clearance <laughs> level right now. Um, I was transported back to 1980s you know 10 year old chris wanting an uzi again okay <laughs> like i want to clear room i want to clear rooms with uzis I, you know, because it is it it's a it's game it, it's um it's silliness it's it's not practical but it's fun and it looks cool and man that makes for a great instagram post yeah I also want to thank you for gesturing to me when you said fantasy camp. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> he did that because your job, your day job, is in the fantasy world. You it know, is. that of, of television I, and I everything. I ride a unicorn to work. Yes. I mean. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think, honestly, right now in the United States, this is the best time we've ever had in our nation's history with good quality training and with a lot of good individuals and good companies uh, with various backgrounds who have a very good product different than than maybe my product which is nothing wrong with that whatsoever but that very good you know good level training at the same time there are more and more uh charlatans and more and more people who have been to a class watch some stuff on youtube and now all of a sudden are trying to, to replicate that same thing out there and it's just you know it's just a travesty we had a i remember a student he came he wanted to take a, a level two class so this is where um our level two stuff is where we start teaching shooting while moving and um and then also uh, use of barricades and, and stuff and so he's as he's talking to me see you know what class we, he'd fit into i asked him so have you had any kind of formal training yeah i've gone to this place and gone to that place and and, and i've uh, taken this this fighting uh, rifle class or some kind of some kind of rifle class it was their basic class. Well, okay, what, what kind of stuff did you learn? Well, within the second drill, we were doing transitions and, and we were running around. And I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't believe that. He went to some company, I, I forget who it was, or some individual who was teaching. And this was their introduction or their first, you know, rifle class. And by the time the second drill, they're transitioning to the pistol uh, they're running around on the range, and he was real excited. And this was now his impression of training is is all this fun and, and, and gunning and stuff. And uh, I asked him, did, did they zero? Well, we, you were supposed to be zeroed beforehand. I'm, 
so I I tried to explain to him that he'd probably be well served coming to one of our basic ones and our level ones and he didn't want to because he'd already done that this other place so I said sure you know you can jump in but if if, if you're um, if you can't keep up then you know that that's fine we'll we'll, we'll roll you into another class and you know, we'll make sure that that uh, you'll be okay but if you're not safe out there then then you're not safe and when he came to class one he was bored and, and two he just was he couldn't hit anything that he really wanted to um and that just just travesty this guy was so you know given such a disservice by going to this other place because that was his impression his his idea of training i mean our level ones what do we do we talk for a while and then we work on what doesn't matter if it's pistol or rifle single shot okay mm-hmm. you can actually hit what you want to good uh now we're going to move on to going to get crazy control pairs oh now you get to shoot twice at the same time that that's crazy and then after you can do that what do we do oh now you're going to shoot five rounds all standing not doing anything why because it's real training because through repetition the good reps we're trying to build these people up so that they can actually hit what they want to hit they know their holds um they can shoot at different distances they can do it now with without hopefully self-induced stress then we can start doing some of this other stuff so this guy who couldn't shoot the broadside of a barn thought that you know he was running around with Chuck Norris doing cheetah flips with with his AR just shooting you know rounds who knows where they're landing um but that was in his mind that was that was real training and uh just, yeah, it's horrible. It, you know it's that are you going to a class to be entertained or are you going to train what is your mindset in there and, you know, it blows people away when we talk about it every time in a class. The only difference between what we're training and what we did when we were in group is the round count. And, you know, the basic pistol class that we just taught, I, I'm sitting there, I'm like, yeah, we will go out and we will do single shot all morning long. You will jam mags, you will go out. You will shoot 45 rounds and then you will turn around and you will go jam mags again and you will shoot 44 or 45 more single shot rounds because you're getting that perfect shot every time. Mm -hmm. And then when you need it, it's instinctual because you have built that muscle memory. You know, it takes a lot of, I'm not a neuroscientist, so I can't say whether it's uh, 10,000 or 10 million repetitions of something to create the neural pathways but it's a number and it's a high number so the more that you can do correctly the better you're going to be uh we all joke about you know okay when i say we all uh those of us that have spent a lot of time in the middle east will joke about the arabs and some of the um the shows that they put on uh i kid you not i was a dog and pony show for uh a saudi royal where they sent two guys going down a zip line you know side by side and they were spraying with mp5s swinging their arms back and forth fortunately they had blanks because they were flagging each other constantly (laughs) and as soon as they got to the end of the zip lines they stopped and like you know passed the baton or whatever and the guy jumps through a flaming hoop a literally flaming hoop which we were always looking for how do we like like these hoops because it was at the training facility we were at we wanted to practice you know we've got to be able to jump through the flaming hoops right um but there was no training. There were, those guys were not effective operators. They were really good performers. Yeah. When the prince came and wanted to have the show, man, those guys, I'll, I'll tell you, I've seen some stunt shows, you know. 
that was an impressive stunt show. But if those guys had to go in and do any, I'm not talking like hostage, I'm talking basic stuff. I'm talking assault and objective. And if that's what they thought they had to do, they're killing their own guys. I mean, you know, and it's, again, are we there for entertainment? Are we there to become better gunfighters? And what is our reason to be a gunfighter? Because it looks cool because I played Call of Duty? You know, I played Call of Duty and it's fun, you know. Uh, that's not why I'm a gunfighter. I'm a gunfighter because I have four daughters and a wife, and I believe in liberty and I believe in protecting these things. It's not, you know, I don't, I don't buy a site because that's the site that I use on a video game. I buy that site because you know what? That's the most effective site that I can afford right now. You know, you, know, you got to be, uh, you know, conscious of price, but. Is it going to make me a better gunfighter, or is it going to look cooler? Yeah. Completely. Yeah, the, the Instagram effect is definitely prevalent when uh, coming to classes, and you, you see people just like discarding things from their kit or from you know finding out what doesn't work on their rifle. Or... Well, that's that's just another subject I want to, <clears throat> want to talk about. That's a good segue into it in kit, you know. And there's people like say, well. Train like you fight, fight like you train. So we have people who show up with everything in the kitchen sink on, you know, level, I don't know, whatever body armor and, and shoulder plates and groin protectors and, you know, all sorts of stuff. And man, that's nothing against those of you that wear DAPs because you're law enforcement and you're required to do it because of your department. I understand. <laughs> but we're really, when, when you come out to train, uh, the, one of the ways I like to look at training and how we kind of structured our classes is uh, like a professional sport. You know, I was on a Super Bowl team. I was on an active duty fifth group team. We are pretty good, but we didn't play the Super Bowl every day. And, and it's the same thing when you come to training, you know, treat it like that. Yeah, you, you might think you're, you're on, a, on a pro team, and you might think that today's the big game, um, but, but really it's not. We're going to practice, you know, snaps. We're going to uh, practice, you know, quick throws. We're going to practice those small little things. So when, when you come to class... It's more appropriate to to dress down at first, and uh, especially with our level one classes, we don't want people coming with all kinds of crap. Um, we want them to come as minimalistic as possible, so they can focus and they're not hindered by other outside factors. It's the building blocks. You, you exactly. You've got to start at the base level, and you know the base level is slick. So without your equipment, just you and the gun, and become one unit. Understand how everything functions together. And then you slowly add to the problem. Yeah. You, once you have, you know, it's, hey, I'm I'm making really tight groups and I am fast and I'm doing it at distance. What's the next thing I can do to, to, well, I can, I can start putting in equipment. I can start putting other stressors in. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a time and a place for that based on, on the classes. Um, and, and that becomes, once you, you've got those basics of marksmanship down, and now you're transitioning in, into our classes in the combat marksmanship, and you're starting to throw in, you know, moving and barricades and, and maybe some some buddy drills and stuff. Now's the time to start adding in, you know, all that kit and and wear armor if you have armor or wear you know, whatever it is you want to wear, um, and then start trying that stuff out. One of my favorite things is when people come to like a you know a moving class, a, yeah. a level two class or a level three class, and they're like, yeah, this is the only time I get to wear my armor. To which I'm immediately like. Well, like, do you do you have like a restriction against it? You know, I mean, like, 
that you you need to be comfortable in that stuff. You need to put it on other than the one time you go to the range once a quarter, you know. Uh, and there there's other fitness things that, that come from that. Um, seeing the person that has the body armor, but they don't do anything to build their physical fitness. And then they're smoked by the first half of a day because they insisted on wearing their body armor, even though the drills didn't require it. Now they're not getting any of the training the rest of the day because they burnt themselves out. Yeah. And that, you know, I gave them the advice, Hey, I wouldn't wear that just yet. I'd wear that later. You know, let, let's get these drills down. No, no, no. Because they're so focused again on the Instagram looking cool. I, I get, this is the only chance I get to wear my multicams. Okay. All right. Um, but it's, then, it's, clean and pressed multicam <laughs> <laughs> but by the end of the day they're they're losing out on the training value because they didn't do it slick yeah their, their repetitions aren't perfect because they're fatigued because they didn't have the the stamina prior to because they had never tried their stuff on and worked in their stuff um and they they got so focused on the kit that it took away from the training and that's just it's it's sad to me Absolutely. Usually you'll find out there's like one buckle giving you a, a <laughs> blister or something, and then that distracts you the rest of the day, and it affects how you act. Like if you can't if you can't move your arm without hitting that one sore spot, your your reloads are going to suffer, or your your presentation is going to suffer, and it's like why fight that if you don't have to? I, you know, I talk about it in class about how I have never gone through a training event, you know, a series like multiple days of of training where I haven't changed something on my kit. It's a constant evolution. It's constantly getting better. I'm constantly refining it. I mean, just last week I was playing around with my war belt and, and you know, well, you know, I'm going to try putting my, my fixed blade on this side as opposed to this side because, you know, it'll be easier to get and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm going to go out and I'm going to get into the car with it on. I'm going to, you know, stand up from a desk wearing it. Uh, I'll wear it all day on the range and see how, it, is it comfortable? Those type of things. But it, it's an evolution. It's, it's a whole process. And, and with all that said, then there does come a time and a place when um, you're putting everything together and it is important then to wear everything. Um, and it, that depends on, on the class. I know for like our, our level three classes and, and some of the others that there's a good, there comes a point when, okay, now it's time, put all that stuff on. Let's, let's go. And like you were articulating before, it's it's that that building up process, yes. you know. So you're not you're not wearing that armor necessarily all day. So then now when it, it counts, when now things are more difficult, now when, when things are, are designed for you to be wearing that, you're not overly fatigued. Where then you just become a liability, a safety risk for really yeah. for everyone involved. And I just like I guess you said, John, it's it's that Instagram culture. It's it's that social media where people that they see something, whether it's an image or whether it's a, a ten second video, somebody who's looking super cool or super neato, and they think, "Oh, that that's that's what it is. That's that's where we need to be. That's that's how you how you train." And again, that starts getting into that that fantasy realm or, or that fantasy camp versus real training. But on the other hand, also you'll have people who are getting into shooting because of Call of Duty or mm -hmm. because of Instagram or things that they've seen or movies. And, or and I'm not saying that any of yeah. that is wrong. No. You know, as long as they're willing to to understand that at a point yeah. you have to you got to start somewhere. 
and you know whatever your gateway into it is that that's that's awesome if if you're running with a Bryn because that's the gun that you run around when you're playing Ghost Recon awesome get that gun learn that gun use that gun put it through its paces currently the Bryn is my favorite gun in uh, <laughs> in uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands just going to say that that you know but what do I run with? I run with a regular standard, you know, aero precision AR-15. Yeah. You know. Well, and along with that, we treat every student differently. And that's the way you should treat them. So that person who doesn't have any kind of a background whatsoever, and they have the best that they can, and they're constantly making mistakes, I've got a lot more, uh, you know, uh, patience with them. I don't expect them to perform at a specific level. I don't expect them to, uh, to, uh, to already know things. But then you have other individuals who they've been around for a while, They've, they've trained a lot, and if they are doing silly stuff, then, you know, I expect them not to do silly things, and uh, definitely I'm a little bit harder on them. So it's, you know, I, I love seeing people come to classes, you know, especially those, be, those beginning classes who who don't have good kit. Who, oh, you know, they're out there with the best that they possibly yeah, have, and it, I love them for it, it and give them everything it, we got. It, what a great place to start. I wish I had started, you know, with a – completely generic you know uh ar uh i'm sticking my magazines in my pants because i don't have any place to put them uh now you know i i was 82nd we we had sops everything was set up the same way as everyone else i get to group when i got to group it was like oh yeah there's your kit set up how you want so i did a lot of like looking at that guy and looking at that guy and kind of setting things up and i had to learn a lot some of these guys, they show up to class and they have no idea. We can take them through. Well, this is why I do this. You know, you, the concept of feeding uh, the gun from the belt and the belt from the, the body armor or chest rig, I think I learned that like six, seven years ago. Like I have been in gunfights where I was still pulling magazines off my mm-hmm. chest mm-hmm. because, well, oh, yeah, I could put them on my belt. Oh, yeah, that is much better, you know. I never had that experience, you know. So I think that there again, it's a great place to start and and to learn and to grow from. I'll leave it with this: uh, when you go train, you should leave mentally and physically fatigued. If you walk out of a training event and you're like, "Man, I looked good today. Oh, I feel great," I don't know that you really trained. Um, you had a good day. And that's awesome. And sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need to go to the range and just have a good day. Like, dude, work sucks. The the wife and kids are stressing me out. I just need to go make confetti out of paper targets. And that is awesome. But when you're coming to a training event, you want to leave thinking, oh, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. I did that okay, but I know I can do better. You want that list. That's like you said, that's where you're going to know that you are a an actual student of the gun. You're walking away going, I have these things to improve on. I did I did good on this, but I have so much more that I can do. And that mental fatigue is awesome. That physical fatigue, that is also awesome. Our bodies are designed to be worn down and then rebuilt. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to the gym, you you stress a muscle out and it gets bigger. You want to do the same thing in your in your gunfighting. You want to push yourself walk away feeling oh yeah man i'm the greatest okay you had a good day that's awesome 
when you walk out of a training event, have that list. Be fatigued. And if you're not fatigued, then do that mental evaluation. Like, what do I need to do tomorrow so that I walk out here? What? How can I be better? And if this is, you know, as an instructor, if I'm not challenging, if I'm, you know, not providing it for give me that feedback and be like, hey, Chris, you know, I don't feel like you're pushing me, you know, let me know. I'll bring more balloons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I when I was a lot younger, when I was a kid, I did, I took karate classes and we had a pretty pretty hardcore instructor. He looked just like Charles Manson. Um, Years later, when I saw Charles Manson for the first time, I I was like, he doesn't look so scary. He's like my old sensei. (laughs) He apparently was an awful guy. So I don't, but, uh, the sensei or your Charles Manson? Your Charles Manson? Well, a little of both. (laughs) He was terrifying. Um, but he was, you know, we would have days where we'd come in and we'd do just push-ups on our knuckles for the whole hour. Like, Middle school kids. <laughs> and I didn't know any better. I was like, this is how karate, you know. And we would do, or we'd do the same punch or movement or something for like the whole time. And I was like, well, this is boring, but whatever. And and then I'd see other schools and they would be like doing backflips and all this other stuff. And just like, per, like demonstration stuff, like performance stuff. But it wasn't functional martial arts and I, I i approach shooting the same way is it's like this is a martial art that requires your mental faculties your physical fitness those things your your brain and your body to work together and people need to approach it like a martial art because that's literally what it is yeah it's america's martial art it really is and that's that's how i try to explain it to people that aren't into shooting because there's a lot of negative stigma to overcome from people who just are anti-gun by default mm-hmm. because they have no other, they have no good experiences to go on. So they just say, well, I, I don't like guns because obviously they're bad. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, well, it's a martial art. It, it, it you know, it, it requires you to, to focus on something and to, and to do into, through repetition to become better at it. And it's, that's something that's, it's hard to get people to realize, even if they're, if they're, if they're students in, in a, in a class, they might not have that mindset of this is something I'm just starting out at. And it's a, it's a big mountain I have to climb. Not, you know, I'm not naturally good at, I might have some natural talent, but I'm not naturally skilled at this until I've gone through the, the different, you know, the different um, techniques. I've learned different, different principles, different areas of this martial art. And then it is, I have a long way. It's a lifetime pursuit. And I think that helps to take a lot of the, like the machismo out of mm-hmm. some of the new students for the fir- who are coming for the first time, who are very defensive about their abilities and their their uh, they want to show that they're the best, or they want to sh- they want to outshoot everybody else and not make any mistakes at all. It's like you're here to make mistakes. If you're not making mistakes, you're wa- you're wasting money and you're wasting time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, one of the things I I mentioned earlier, but one of the things I was thinking about is how I do believe this is probably the best time we've ever had in the nation with a lot of good qualified uh, individuals and, and companies who, who offer training. And I just encourage you to seek them out. Go out and, you know, train with us. Train train, train with some others. Get a, you know, broaden your horizons. Um, you're going to learn something from uh, another good trainer 
um, they might be saying and teaching something very similar, but with a different background. So you're going to be better as a student. You're going to be better as a human being, better as a shooter by learning from us and then learning from somebody else and then taking the best of both of those to, to make it your own. So I just encourage you guys to uh, to go out. But at the same time, um, be careful too. There's a lot of... Uh, I've seen some crazy stuff. Um, as an example, something that I saw is... Uh, one of the early med classes that I, I taught was uh, I called Shooter First Aid. And then, uh, I don't know, like a couple of months of me teaching that class, which is basically teaching the March Protocol, how to aggressively treat trauma, your gunshot wounds, stabbings and stuff. Um, somebody else pulled a class called Shooters. They, they, they added an S, Shooters First Aid. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff happens all the time. They they see what you're doing, they see that you're doing good, and then they try as best they can to, to replicate that. And, you know, they they can't. Just just recently, somebody with a fictitious uh, name and questionable email address downloaded from our professional page um, the information course curriculum on a three-day uh, law enforcement uh, CQB course. And lo and behold, less than a week later, somebody else comes up with a three-day law enforcement CQB course. And I just, you know, so that there's people out there, things out there that, you know, as we alluded to before, they they maybe taken a class, maybe they've, they've seen something on YouTube and they're trying to replicate it, um, but but they can't because they don't back, they don't have that experience to, to back up what they're trying to do. So when you seek out training, make sure that, that they do. And they don't have to have the same special forces background that say Chris or I have. Um, they don't necessarily even have to have a military or law enforcement background, just as long as the stuff that they're teaching is, is good and they can back up why they're doing it and, uh, and, and give, give you that why. Not just the how, but, but that why. Make sure they understand it so that they can, can teach that to you, so you can understand why you're doing uh, what you're doing. All right, well, thank you. Thank you for spending some time with us, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall.